I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Hey listeners, Emily here. Just popping in to tell you we're taking next week off for spring break, but we'll be back the following week with our regular weekly schedule. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing book 34, Mary Ann and Too Many Boys. Sounds hot, but is not. (laughs) I thought there could have been some more boys, actually. Yeah, there were were not not enough boys, frankly. (laughs) Marianne and not enough boys. Bart wasn't there. The Hobarts weren't there. <laughs> Hobarts weren't there. <laughs> All right. Should we go to our one sentence summaries? Yes. Mine is um, simple. We get to go back to Sea City. That's my one sentence mm-hmm. summary. I was excited to go back to Sea City this week. We had a couple bummer, bummer things happening in the last few books. So I was like, yay. Yeah. You, we got a lot of texts about Sea City this week on our group chat as well. <laughs> I think there were two. Whatever. That's a lot. <laughs> My one sentence summary is Marianne passes up an opportunity to dump Logan. This is, yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Very um, disappointing. So, so my one sentence summary is Marianne has questionable taste in ice cream flavors. <laughs> <laughs> she has very mature tastes in, in flavors. I was like, what are you like my grandpa? I think okay. I think more than any episode so far, these one sentence summaries actually reflected our different opinion of the books or the different ways we read them. <laughs> Just our general personality. Yeah, there you go. Having to do with our interpretation of Babysitter's Club books. Mm-hmm. That's true. Those were very those were very on brand. On brand, yeah. Yeah. Okay, wait, you guys. We should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Anna Shikala. A freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual and I like health food. And I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. If you want to learn more about the three of us and how we know each other, you can check out our prologue episode. Also, please rate and review us. Favorite us on those other applications. It really helps people find the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. So not enough boys. Not enough boys. No. <laughs> um, I would like to begin with a question for you both. Okay. Did we already know that Stony Brook is on the sea? I have two question marks and two exclamation points what? after that revelation that Stony Brook is on the water. I was picturing it in the damn middle. In a forest. Damn yeah. middle west. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I think we need to figure out what town Stony Brook is. Maybe not today, but at some point. Because yeah. this like really well, changes I, the, the scope of what's possible. It has to be yeah, within commuting think, distance of Stanford, and it's on the ocean. Like there are not that many towns yeah. that that meet that criteria. Yeah, but it's also, as Marianne tells us in this book, not a beach town. So it can't be like Mystic or something. Like it's not like it happens to be on the water, but they're not taking advantage of it. I what guess. does that even mean? I know. I don't understand. 
Yes. This I mean, is when we first learned that Stony Brook has a waterfront that just doesn't count. And so that's why the Pikes go to CCD. I feel like we need to start a segment about these revelations about Stony Brook. So one is that it's on the ocean and the other is that Claudia is a champion skier. <laughs> <laughs> Things that we find out too late in the series yes. for your taste. Yeah, yes. frankly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plot holes abound. So the other thing that jumped out at me at this book is that in the non-C-City, I don't even know if you could call it a B-plot. It's just a chapter, a, a single babysitting there's, there's, chapter. There's, there's three. There's three babysitting chapters that aren't in C-City. Sure, but like they're all different babysitters and different kids. There's no yes. like through oh, yeah. line. There is no. There's no, no like someone's someone could have learned a lesson from one babysitting event that doesn't carry over frustratingly into another. <laughs> like there's nothing that connects them except it's summer, right? Yeah, summertime activities, very carefree. But in one of those chapters, Christy takes the Radowski boys to a pool. I mm -hmm. went back to look just now and I don't I didn't catch whether or not she says it was like a public pool or a club pool or something like that. But it's like mm -hmm. a pool with a lifeguard where there are lots of families and kids. And I was wondering, mm -hmm. thinking to myself, whether like in 1990 in this part of Connecticut, whether it would have been a public pool or a club pool. And so mm -hmm. I did a little bit of research and I found came across this book written by a historian named Jeff Wiltz, I believe, entitled From Contested Waters, A Social History of Swimming Pools in America, where he mm -hmm. sort of traces the the different um, kind of stages of municipal pools from like the 1800s all the way through the like 1980s and particularly mm -hmm. in the north because he's taking race as a kind of salient variable that that um is and in part helps us race and racism in part helps us make sense of like how how pools changed over those mm -hmm. over those eras and like the north is sort of the site for thinking about that because it like s sort of upends the like neat story about like you know the emancipation of slaves and then like who are the bad guys in the kind of reconstruction era and all that kind of thing. And, but you can see that like, if you look at um, municipal pools in the, in the North Northeast largely, but also North Midwest, he does a kind of random sampling of cities, but the, you can see that race and racism played a large role in like how pools changed over time, which I thought was really interesting and not surprising, unfortunately. But I think yeah. I think it's unlikely that Christy would have been taking the Radowski boys in this white ass Connecticut town in this in this year to a, an, a properly public pool. <laughs> so, yeah. So like in the 1800s, big public pools were largely like bathing houses that were where people were separated by class and gender. So there's no intermixing of men and women, largely like, um, you know, a lot of municipalities talked about them as kind of ways to um, like train the working class up toward middle-class aspirations, right? It's like where you swim, it's where you bathe, blah, 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 blah. Wow. And so, but then after you have the emergence of kind of different theories of how gene, uh, how germs spread, um, people become concerned about like dirty people being in these public pools. And so they transform kind of in the early 20th century to these places of like leisure and activity. And then like in the 20s, they start to become um, there starts to be like a lot of 
kind of racial um, antagonism in these pools because there are men and women now in the same pools and like bathing costumes become a little sexier and these are leisure places. And so there's this worry about like black men, you know, coming after white women. And so they, these start to become the kind of like these like really um, intense sites of racial tension, racial violence. And then cities start um, like through the forties and fifties cities start, like putting pools in different places, largely white folks in wealthy towns kind of withdraw from public pools into these like private club pool situations. Um, And then there's like, I just, it was interesting because I had known that public pools in largely minority uh, people of color communities aren't taken care of as well. Right. Those are the last ones to open like in a thing in, in like what happened last summer in a context of a global pandemic and like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't realize like how, like that the pool itself was a really um, like palpable site of kind of how all these things unfolded. You know, you think of it it, Mm -hmm. that like this is, and and like the logic of kind of like the fear of um, black men preying on white women. And I wouldn't have thought about the pool as like a place where that would develop or, um, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Why would that especially happen there mm-hmm. rather than other places? But once you get those those scantily clad, shorty striped bathing suits from the 1920s, who's who can resist that? Yeah. I mean, bathing costumes have been weird in so many decades. They're still weird. <laughs> anyway, I Accurate. think it's unlikely, especially in this time, in this decade, in that region of the United States, that the the like you know, upper middle class white kids would have been going to a properly public pool. It was probably like a racket club pool or something like that. I think that's unlikely based on even our experiences growing mm-hmm. up in the 80s and 90s. And I won't mention but, names. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, my, Anne and my families did not belong to a pool club, but oh, hell no. other, people, other people's families did. Let me guess. <laughs> we not <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so we would go as guests to to her pool club, but she also had a pool in her backyard. You know what I'm learning about, and this as we do this podcast, is that Michelle is way bougier than I ever knew. (laughs) (laughs) She just had barons who were lawyers instead of public servants. That's like the whole difference in the eighties. Well, you know what? She wears it well. I'm I'm impressed. Yes, she does. (laughs) She does. Yeah, she does. She doesn't have you know. She doesn't walk around with that disdain for her lower class friends that like grasp onto her you know leeching she's a public school teacher that's true yeah Yeah. (laughs) anyway yeah yeah I don't I mean I wasn't even as a child I was not aware of public pools in Sacramento where it's 115 Mm -hmm. degrees in the summer I wouldn't have even known where one was Mm -hmm. no Um, actually it's weird that Land Park didn't have one I feel yeah there was like that little one by the preschool mm-hmm. with, with for like little kids to splash in, but we just had no, duck ponds. Right. Well, and I also wonder too in places like Sacramento and Florida, and where places where more and more residences, like where it's hot a lot and it's very hot, you know, that we we knew people who were not very high income that had backyard swimming pools. Yeah. And lots of apartment buildings had them like, our, mm-hmm. you know, my sister, Emily's aunt mill almost always had a pool in her apartment complex. Like and she wasn't rich. It was just, there were more private space pools in places where there's a lot of heat, but I don't know that there would be a lot of private pools in Stony Brook given how cold it is. Like the, 
you know, there's not well, as many in-ground pools. There are probably a lot of in-ground pools in Christie's new neighborhood, right? In Watson's neighborhood mm-hmm. that, that like close for part of the year, I, I say from mm-hmm. knowledge <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then are like up and running during the warm months. Mm-hmm. But, and I, and I bet most of those people are also like racket club members of some kind where there would be yeah. a pool, like probably the same Let's situation talk- as Michelle, you know? Why yeah. is it always like, and racket club? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What's up with that? Like, it's it is kind of interesting because rich people have like pools and tennis courts in their backyard, but then they also want to be a member of a club where they can use someone else's pool and tennis court. Yeah, well, you have to be seen at the club, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't know. <laughs> we just finally—I know I'm like a thousand years late, but Gary and I just started watching Gilmore Girls, um, and you know they have to bring. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. Anyway, you know, the grandpa has to bring Roy to the club and show her off to all of his weird old friends. Mm-hmm. Like super weird. Yeah. Um, maybe we should talk about the book a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just went right to public pools are racist. I was like, I gotta get through this. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. That's fine. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's I, I appreciate the the history. Thank you, Dr. Wilkes. Um uh yeah, so they, they're going back to Sea City. And you've been quietly listening to Emily tell us about public pools. Why don't you give us a basic summary of the book? Uh, I was looking up if there is a reason why it's always called like pool and racket club. Like, why was everyone playing racket? Like, I don't get it. Anyway. I don't know. I don't think it's just called racket. I think they're playing tennis. (laughs) I guess it could be playing. Yeah. What's that other one? Racket Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of racquetball. Mm-hmm. Anyway, got hung up on that for a second. I apologize. <laughs> okay. So yeah, they go back to the Pikes like mansion on the on the beach, which <laughs> is weird because they apparently live on the beach somewhere in Stony Brook, but they have to go to another it, go to a beach town now. Mm-hmm. And you know, Stacy and Marianne are along as the kid helpers, parent helpers. Is that what they call mm-hmm. them? Do they call them parent helpers? They say mother way? helpers again. Oh, they say mother yeah, helpers. Mother's helpers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Mother no, helpers. No evolution. <laughs> that makes it sound like an insult. Mother helper. <laughs> what are you, some kind of mother helper? <laughs> yeah. And then um, Toby and Alex show up again. But then Marianne is conflicted because she has the love of her life back home in Logan. Oh, yeah. She literally says that. But then I was like, you know, she's only 13. Technically, he is the love of her life. So it's okay. So far. far. Maybe when she's 40 and she looks back at her life and Logan is still the love of her life, then we might have a problem. Okay. Um, So she's grappling about, she's feeling guilty. um, And then Stacy becomes kind of a bee again (laughs) whenever she's in C-City, apparently. It's so weird. I'm like... What does Marianne see in Stacy that like the rest of them don't? Because I feel like I don't know. Is it something about their dynamic? I don't get why they are always the ones having this. No, time. I think I don't know. I think the the blame falls squarely with Stacy. I think she recognizes that in in her own narrative in Boy Crazy Stacy, and then she apologizes to Marianne here. I think she just when she gets boy crazy, she forgets about her other relationships, mm-hmm. which unfortunately is a pretty common thing, mm. especially among 13 year olds fine 
And then, you know, every Claudia's back up in Vermont, not during ski season. Um, and they're going to a different place because they they're worried they didn't want to feel sad without Mimi for the first summer. And Don's home in California. And everyone else is just chilling in Stony Brook. And this is also, is this our third summer? Are we really starting to loop now? Because this is the summer after eighth grade, but it's also now the summer before eighth grade. Yeah. yeah. This is we're so. in the loop. We're in the time loop. Yeah, because super special too is the second summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, so it's summer again. Yeah, so my last thing about this book that you could tell from my one sentence summary is that Marianne does not break up with Logan and her and Alex had this thing and she's like, oh, wow, I really like him. They go on dates and then she's like, mm, we're just friends. Mm-hmm. And he also has a girlfriend back home and fails to mention it. And they're just like, also, I thought their dates were so weird. I mean, I guess we could talk about this because we've talked about like Marianne's shyness versus social anxiety. But the like way she narrates the kind of tipping point where things stop becoming awkward and start becoming normal. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that in my mind, like neatly translates to the the theory that like, oh, it's because we're friends and so the awkwardness is like putting pressure on whether or not this is romance and then like when we relax into being friends then everything is fine and like now we're friends i don't know is that how we're supposed to read did, that did she make... i i didn't think that that was how we we're supposed to read it i thought it was just an example of how things are awkward with a, a friend or a potential romantic partner mm-hmm. that you don't know super well and then you have to like find the you know you doing a bunch of movements that podcast listeners can't see but you have to you have to find a way for like the pieces to click together so that you they're laughing because i still can't not talk with my hands you know it's like um any awkward conversation like it's awkward until it's not you know and i feel Mm -hmm. like that's it's her describing that shifting point Mm -hmm. fine whatever i wanted to read more into it but you can. I'm not. I'm not going to stop you. You just asked me. What did you think? I guess that was my fault. <laughs> well, I said, have we ever mentioned on on the show about what you did your dissertation on? As me? I think so. I think really briefly we we've talked about mm-hmm. adolescent romantic relationships versus opposite sex friendships, um, which yeah was some of what my dissertation was about. Yeah. Did you have a more specific question about it? No, I just feel like you you would have a lot of thoughts about this book. Yeah, I did. I, you know, I didn't, uh, unlike Emily's succinct thesis that public pools are racist, I didn't have a like one, one thing that jumped out to me about it. I, before I get into kind of like what's realistic and what's not, I, I really struggled with what I wanted to happen because uh. I had a similar reaction to Emily where, you know, basically a big part of the plot with Marianne is she's really excited to see Alex and she like feels so comfortable with him and he's so nice and she's not really thinking about Logan at all. And like Mary, um, not Marianne, Mallory's sort of given her a side eye, like, uh, why are you so excited about Alex? You know, <laughs> you have a boyfriend. And I was also disappointed by the trajectory of the book, although I don't think in 1990 in a children's book, it would have been realistic for her to like cheat on Logan and then like deal with the repercussion in the same way you know this isn't Sweet Valley High like this is the babysitter's club Mm -hmm. we're in a different (laughs) we're in a different universe of of human behavior um 
but that's kind of what I wanted to happen. I know. I think. Same. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know, you know, what that means for Marianne's character or all of those kinds of things, but I, but it is very normal at 13 to not be in a, you know, uber committed, like monogamous relationship based on marriage, which is, <laughs> I think how Marianne and Logan are sort of portrayed in, in the series. Yeah. And so I, I think that's what, you know, or at least for her and Alex to kiss or something to happen. And I think I kind of wanted that to happen. And then for her to not tell Logan mm-hmm. um, was sort of where I was going, which kind of surprised me actually, as I read But it. I agree. I think like her recognizing her own attraction to her interest in Alex, like would be the catalyst for realizing that Logan is like, not, not for her. Right. And then like mm-hmm. the lesson mm-hmm. is, is goodbye, Logan, not like confess my sin you know? Yeah. I mean, or not, or she has fun on vacation and then she still has the boyfriend she likes. Yeah, that's true. I, don't, I just really, <laughs> I don't know. want Logan to get dumped. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I wanted it to shake up a little bit more than it did. And then I also was kind of bummed that we didn't get, I know the books from Marianne's perspective, but often we get a chapter that is, um, you know, I didn't find this out till later, but Stacy told me everything about it later yeah. on kind of thing. I wanted to hear more about what happened with Stacy at Toby. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we only got like a little bit of that. And so that's the other reason I felt like it didn't live up to the Too Many Boys title. Because I was like, we don't get any of the Stacy Toby drama. We just know that Stacy was like sad afterwards because she broke up with him. But like, what happened? Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was kind of a bummer. I mean, how many boys, how many more boys do you want? Several. <laughs> Like two, five, What's ten. the optimum number of boys? I want I Bart want to be like... at the pool, although he's at the Rich Racket Club pool, so it wouldn't be Christy babysitting the Radowskis that would bring them at the pool together. She'd have to have the Delaney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, more Toby, yeah. Okay. What about... Don could have had a crush in California. Yeah, the Chris situation could have gotten messier. Like, he could have actually asked Mallory out thinking the poems mm-hmm. were from her and then that could have like we could have had a, a date from their perspective where she realizes that Vanessa's writing the poems and that that's why they're mm-hmm. he's interested in her this is the 12 yeah. year old employee of the ice cream palace in sea city if we can pause there <laughs> this is right a 12 year old boy <laughs> I know. Is that even legal? People working at the ice cream counter in this very busy tourist (laughs) beach town. It is A, way illegal, even in 1990. And B, I don't know how much time you all spend with 12 year old boys right now, but as the parent of a 12 year old girl, I see many of them fairly frequently. And this is not happening. Yeah. Like, this is just not, I don't know, like parents out there, would you employ your 12 year old boy to yeah. work an ice cream counter? Like, it's almost like the worst possible job because not only is it like physically demanding and you have to be polite to a bunch of people, but there's also just like infinity ice cream right there. <laughs> I just don't see how it's working. I didn't, that didn't even occur to me. Plot hole. <laughs> 12 it's like like gabby perkins playing softball (laughs) like i want chris the ice cream scooper and gabby perkins the softball player to like let's see what that actually have a spin-off series yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so yeah so but i I agree i think we could have had that play out a little bit more with vanessa vanessa's crush Mm -hmm. on him what did you guys think of vanessa's crush how was that for you how did that play out for you i mean i thought it was very sweet Mm -hmm. but also like how does she develop this huge crush 
on this boy or is that how crushes happen when you're nine she seems also at the same time though seemed really mature about it which i was like Mm -hmm. does that happen when you're nine (laughs) like (laughs) i don't know what was your experience of crushes at nine emily i don't remember okay that's right emily's emily's blocked out her child (laughs) 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 that is often how they happen right because what's she supposed to base it on it's not like she's gonna like Mm -hmm. you like the same horse novels that i do i mean it's just you know he's he's scooping ice cream and again if he is 12 and he's doing like he's a pretty impressive 12 year old then if he's uh holding this job and doing a remotely good job at it so i i thought that that was actually realistic that she would have a big crush on him just randomly just think he's cute um Mm -hmm. and of course she's gonna like uh express herself through her poetry like that's just vanessa all the way um i i i thought it was sweet and it like broke my heart a little bit um but i liked the idea of mallory sort of like helping her helping her out along the way in terms of just the like actual romantic relationship content that we get um with marianne's sort of conflict i thought it was pretty realistic sort of her being in the moment and not really thinking about logan and then not really thinking about alex and and feeling really conflicted and not the thing that seemed less realistic to me from marianne's temperament was her not wanting to examine it much like she would be like oh i feel kind of bad i'm just gonna push that down and go along that to me seemed much more of like a Claudia reaction um, or like a Stacy reaction or even a Christy impulsive reaction. It didn't feel like Marianne, like she's such an overthinker and she's so like um, introspective Yeah, that it's, it didn't, it didn't really buy that she specifically would be like, whatever, I'm not going to worry about it. Like that seemed, uh, it, it seemed totally reasonable for a 13 year old girl in general but it didn't seem in character for mary right we get three pages of her agonizing over a potential shoe flying incident but she's not like right yeah investigating this emotionally that's interesting i hadn't thought about that Mm -hmm. that seems right that just seems unlikely so whereas if it was stacy like let's say stacy was dating logan and then she saw toby i would believe that totally Mm-hmm. Like she's just in this moment and she's here and she's not thinking about that. That would have been more believable to mm-hmm. me. But in general, I just thought this book was like kind of a fun romp. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, okay, here we go. Like we get to go back to Sea City. Clearly mm-hmm. I was not the only one that wanted to do that. And <laughs> we'll have some like manufactured drama with these three different boys. Um, but it's not nearly as salacious as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Well, what about, I mean, Mrs. Pike could have had some sort of was- interest at, yes. the, at that whatever town looking at antiques yes uh-huh. maybe right. she had a crush on the now, shop on the on the like the shop owner or something i also love yeah. how stacy and marianne weren't allowed to have a night off together because mr and mrs pike need to be away mm-hmm. from their children every single night on vacation <laughs> what like why don't they go on vacation alone without their children if that's what they want yeah i was really upset at that um <laughs> Because A, it just like they are still just like 13 year old girls. So like if they hadn't, it's sort of dependent on them having these little vacation boyfriends to have like someone to hang out with. Like, what are they supposed to do? They're just supposed to like wander the boardwalk alone on their night off. Like that doesn't actually make sense to me. Um, So it's not actually even safe. And then it also didn't really track with the pikes. Like I was sort of like, Mm -hmm. what? They like 
literally 14 nights they need to have one babysitter and Mallory on the whole time. And then what's Mallory? Like, not cool. Agreed. I was very upset at that part. The other thing that really upset me is not really related to what's happening in Sea City, but someone, when they get there, I think Claire, they they say the sun's about to go down. So they want to go to the beach. They've just gotten there. And Marianne says, okay, don't wait too long or the sun will go down. Where does it go? Claire asked, grabbing my hand and dragging me toward the beach. I was still watching Vanessa, wondering if something was wrong. Where does what go? The sun, she rolled her eyes. Where does it go when it goes down? Oh, I was stumped. Behind a cloud, Stacy suggested. Good answer, I said. What? Stacy and Mallory? I mean, Stacy and Marianne don't know where the sun goes. Yeah, they should know that. They've just yeah. finished eighth grade. They're going to high school, theoretically. And maybe this is why they have to go back to eighth yeah. grade. <laughs> yeah. This is where we learn that they're all dumb. <laughs> I just thought it seemed like a monumental failure of our science education to me. I was like, why do neither, like, Stacy's supposed to be some kind of math whiz? They don't know where the sun goes? It was very upsetting. Anyway, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's not good. Um, the only other thing that stood out to me psychology wise was uh, that Mallory's a sleep talker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Vanessa's just like, oh, yeah, no problem. Marianne's totally spooked by it. Um, do you guys talk in your sleep ever? Apparently I do, but yeah. I don't I don't know what I say. And I think what I say is indecipherable. Like you can't. Mm-hmm. I'm just like mumbling kind of. Mm-hmm. But um, Micah says I talk in my sleep and I have. I mean, as a kid in their summer parties, you never notice me talking in my sleeve. No, or you, I, so. I feel like you would remember if there was like a incident or something. Right. But yeah. um, I have spent a night in a hotel room with Melissa before and she said mm-hmm. I talked in my sleep. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you did talk in your sleep some when we were in Europe after college. Mm-hmm. We spent a lot yeah. of nights in hospitals together. I have yeah. a, a thing where, like, if I if somebody wakes me up, I'll have a conversation that I won't remember. But, like, I don't just talk in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Matt talks in his sleep, yeah. though. Only when he's, like, yeah. really, he's... really anxious. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say drunk. <laughs> no, that's when he snores. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell what he's saying when he's talking in mm-hmm. his sleep? Yeah. Yeah. So a, a lot of people do it across the lifespan. About 66% of people do Whoa. it. Whoa. Um, yeah. Um, and about 17% of people have done it in the last month. So hmm. it's pretty common. Um, and you're exactly right. It is when you're more anxious or you have poorer quality sleep. Mm-hmm. Or you've been like overworking. You're, you're maybe doing a little bit of REM rebound, catching up on deeper sleep. So um And it's also something I actually really liked that they had Mallory do it because it's really common in like ages 10 to 13, like transition, like when there's a lot of biological changes in your body, like during puberty, you're more likely to have, it's more common in children in general. And it's especially common in like late um, childhood, early adolescence um, when transitions are happening hormonally, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, that's, that's actually not very unbelievable and vanessa's reaction as a sister who shares a room and is used to it was also i thought very good like oh yeah just ignore her it's fine maybe this is another hint that mallory has gotten her period (laughs) i would actually say that it's probably yeah the other direction like Mm -hmm. is she still like in the transitional early early changes transition yeah yeah Yeah. 
Interesting. Do you talk in your sleep as me? Yeah. I think that I do sometimes. Yeah. Gary has one example where I like sat up like Mallory did and very clearly said scoongily in like, <laughs> like funny voice. Um, which I've, I've never even eaten scoongily. I had to like look up what it was. And then he asked me, what is that? And I said, it's a type of pasta really loud, even though it's not a type of pasta. And then I fell over and went back to sleep. So he tells that story all the time. <laughs> that sounds both like something you would do and like something he would make up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is why it's a good lie if it's a lie, but he swears. It yeah. That's, That's so really funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. So he always says, Scoogee. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's a word I know, but it's not something that I've, I've, eaten or and it is not a type of pasta so it is what it is anyway sleep talking that's all i got and what's what happened in this book so as we do before we get into my into my section um we forgot to mention jeff oh oops yeah <laughs> well we didn't to be fair we didn't mention either of the other babysitting chapters other than christy the rodowskis so there's one with jeff and don and one with jesse mm-hmm yeah, I thought Don. What did you think of Don's um, experience in California? Her dad's dating someone new that she doesn't like, but I feel like Jeff is like whatever. He's like, he's like, he's like loving life in Southern California. I feel yeah, yeah. They're whoever they're they're like housekeeper or helper just makes mm-hmm. them avocado salads all the time. Mm-hmm. What a life! Like what is? I know it's yeah it's, yeah. It sounds good. It sounds pretty good. But he's kind of like, oh, there's so much drama back in Stony Brook. He's like, I'm so glad I'm in California. I wonder if there's something about like Don's age as opposed to Jeff's that makes like the the addition of somebody who she's not really getting to know, like more challenging. Right. Because I think like Mm -hmm. like Jeff doesn't really care in part because he like knows Carol. Right. And like Don's like, mm-hmm. okay, so this woman's just like part of the family and I'm just like meeting her for the first time and I'm supposed to be cool with it. Like, I think. Well, it's an interesting parallel, right? To how Jeff was acting at Sharon and Richard's wedding. Right. I mean, I'm sure he feels the same way about Richard, yeah. mm-hmm. even though he knows Marianne well. Like, who's this dude? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a territorial thing. I, I mean, I just wanted to give Jeff some airtime. So. <laughs> Success. We, we remember you, Jeff. Jeff Schaefer. We're here for you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I just want to, you know, go back to my one sentence summary about Marianne's ice cream flavor choices. Mm-hmm. So the first one was pistachio, which mm-hmm. is a good, it tastes good. But as a kid, that was like, no, like that sounded disgusting to me. I felt like I didn't even, even eat pistachio nuts at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. So, and then. I feel like there are a lot of kids that eat pistachio. Well, mm. Yeah, I live in Berkeley. I, yeah, I, I was going to be like, about, mm. <laughs> I think the ice cream, I, the ice cream is the entry point, though. I think kids are more likely to like pistachio ice cream than to like the nuts themselves. We definitely ate more pistachio nuts than pistachio ice cream growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're Californians also. That's true. This is true. I feel like they're here, you know. Yeah, they're you here. In the you lived in the Central Valley, like literally surrounded by pistachio groups. Yeah, I think like all we so. ate was pistachios strawberries and watermelon yeah 
I think that's yeah. about right. That sounds like that sounds like with with steak occasionally. Yeah. Should we change our state motto to pistachios? They're here. They're here. <laughs> yeah, they're that's here. A great state motto from whence they come. Yeah. Um, and then her second flavor choice um, was Rocky Road, which I feel like is another flavor kids don't really like. I feel like anything with nuts in it is kind mm-hmm. of a turnoff for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly didn't like Rocky Road. It's like pistachio and Rocky Road, Road are literally what our grandparents ate. I had a weird favorite ice cream flavor as a kid. When we used to go to Rhymer's, um, which is in the town Three Rivers where my dad lived, Oh, so so good. good. I used to always get mocha almond fudge, mm. even as a very small a child. It was my favorite. Yeah. yeah. The almonds in mocha almond fudge are usually, aren't they like more like thinly sliced? They're slivers. Yeah. What, what's Rocky Road again? It has peanuts. Right? Peanut, it's chocolate ice cream with peanuts and, or sometimes. Doesn't it have marshmallows in it? And marshmallows. Yes. Yeah. I've never liked that, but I don't like marshmallows. Mm. Yeah. What about like a, a Twinkie ice cream. And why would you ask me that? You already know what my answer is. <laughs> Anne, and, like a, Anne and I are like in a, a fight. <laughs> this is our first fight, and it's over Twinkies. This is awkward. Yeah. How will we ever yeah. move past this? I hope a waiter will come interrupt the tension. <laughs> you're, you're right, though, that nut-flavored ice creams are... Um, like, cause like my dad, who's in his nineties, Emily's grandpa's is black walnut is his like favorite. And I'm just like, that doesn't even sound good, but he loves yeah. it. It's like an old man flavor. Yeah. That, what's, what is even black walnut? It's just like, uh, what's the base flavor? He says the whole thing tastes walnutty. I haven't even tried it. It sounds gross. Yeah. It doesn't sound good. It's, it's one of the like seasonal flavors at, at Vicks. In our hometown, mm. Aaron used to really like all the rainbow sherbet ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of, you mean rainbow sherbet, but also <laughs> all the individual sherbets. Oh yeah. yeah, but also she liked the gross regular ice creams that were like multicolored, mm. like bubble gum. Like bubble gum? I don't know. Okay, I don't. Know. <laughs> Stop accusing me of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah is that the only regular ice cream that's multicolored i think now there's like more boutique ice creams that are really Mm -hmm. heavily dyed like there's that there's i don't know if it's in um northern california or new york but there's a place called afters in southern california and they have like like this cookie cookie monster flavor that's like Mm. really blue that like i that i don't like that at all it's gross no thank you Anyway, so yeah, Marianne's ice cream flavor selection sucks. Um, <laughs> another food thing was, oh, um, Tofu Delight. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So Sharon like makes a special dinner uh, before Marianne leaves. And she goes, and for dessert, Tofu Delight. Mm-hmm. So first I, I like Googled Tofu Delight. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly... Nothing came up. Well, a lot of just like tofu based stir fry type things came up. Something that you would think might be called. Tofu yeah. Delight. And then I did <laughs> tofu delight dessert in quotes. Nothing. Came, Google gave back nothing. So this is pretty amazing. That, Wait, there's that, not even a reference to this book. 
no, there was nothing. Um, so then I thought maybe we could discuss what tofu delight might be. Ugh. I'm guessing some sort of silken pudding or like a like a vegan cheesecake type of thing. Yeah, that's mm. what I was gonna say. I I think I have you know I have a couple of good vegan friends who've made some pretty impressive desserts using silken tofu. So that was my guess. Was like a, like a vegan like mm-hmm. panna cotta or um cheesecake something like you know quote unquote cheesecake something like that but then why call it tofu delight right why not call it vegan panna cotta (laughs) like you don't want it to be tofu forward when you're describing a dessert yeah (laughs) yeah gross and then um i just kind of did a a google just on tofu dessert recipes and i found Mm -hmm. this funny headline that said 15 tofu dessert recipes that will steal the spotlight. And so I was like, is it, I was like, is it really going to steal the spotlight? Is I mean, like I like vegan desserts, but. Steal the spotlight from other desserts or steal the spotlight from dinner? Mm-hmm. I was thinking from like a person. <laughs> from like Aunt Kathy who like talks too much. Uh, yes. <laughs> Interesting how we all had different interpretations of that headline. Yeah. And of this, I I really vegan desserts are often really really good. Um, I think that there's like a a number of them that, but I don't know why it has to be a competition. Like it's just like, can it just be this is good? Like let's yeah. just make it good. Esme just wants know. all desserts to get along. That's yeah, all. you know, I don't see color. I was just going to make a color. joke about the multiculturalism of, of this of these books. <laughs> Esme is I to see. dessert as the Babysitter's Club is to race. Yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> let's see. And then before Marianne leaves, or before they both leave for the trip, um, Dawn was like, hey, Marianne, you can borrow some of my tapes for your trip if you want to. And Marianne's like, oh, that was really nice, but mm, we really have the same music tastes, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of a bitchy thing. Even in her internal monologue to think. <laughs> she didn't uh, say it. No, she didn't say it, but she thought it. Yeah, she's like, and we all know Mary- thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of did, I kind of looked into seeing like, well, if they have opposite tastes, what would, how would that actually play out in mm-hmm. 1990? So I have a few examples. Okay. So Don, Don likes Prince. Mm, sure. Yeah. Marianne likes Michael Jackson. Mm. Okay. Uh, Don likes Salt and Pepper. Mm-hmm. Marianne likes DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Oh my God. I don't know let's about see. that one. Yeah, I don't know. If oh, let's hear. Really? Why? Why? <laughs> I'm curious. I really am. It sounds like a threat. <laughs> why? This is her second fight. I know. This is her second fight. Today's a. We've, We've reached a lot of milestones today, and <laughs> Stony Brooks on the water. Yeah, Anne and Emily had two I know. fights. Two fights. Um, I don't really know why that it was just my reflex. I don't have a good reason. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, so my as as someone who like mm-hmm. played, he's the DJ. I'm the rapper. My tape of that mm-hmm. down to the like nub until it broke. <laughs> I don't like. It seems like it's pretty jokey, and then there's also like references that she i mean i don't i don't know 
It just doesn't feel well, like like later Will Smith, I think she would be into. Mm-hmm. Like I think she would like get jiggy with it, but I don't know that she would listen to like the older like Rock the House or he's a DJ mm-hmm. or a rapper, like the older fresh. Right. Well, I will say my criteria for this was to pick opposing artists that fair enough in similar genres. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, like are, you know, yeah. analogous but also different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so if, I definitely agree that Don right. would like Salt and Peppa and Marianne mm-hmm. would not. I agree with that. So Marianne so, just doesn't listen to hip hop at all. I mean, I think no. Yeah. <laughs> really? Is Marianne is Marianne the whitest babysitter? I mean, mm-hmm. no offenses, but you're pretty white and you listen to DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Friends. It's true. And you're I'm very Marianne. Right? Uh, yeah, I was I was at the time. That's yeah, now you're yeah. convincing me. I was much more Marianne when I was really wearing that tape out. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> you make that was case. I'm right. I'm right. You're wrong. I was kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Don um, listens to The Cure, and Marianne mm-hmm. likes Duran Duran, which I think we've pointed out before. Yeah. Don listens to Eurythmics. Um, Marianne likes the Bangles. Um, Don listens to Pat Benatar. Marianne listens to Whitney Houston, which we've said before. Yes. Um, and Don, I don't. I don't know that I would say those are parallels, though. Those seem very different. Well, as female, female vocalists, female yeah. Vocalists, yeah. Um, Pat Benatar is obviously more rock, and Whitney is more mm-hmm. well pop R and B. And then Don listens to Depeche Mode and Marianne, which I feel bad even about this choice. Listens to Huey Lewis and the News. <laughs> but why do you feel bad about that? It's just such a dorky van, but they have great songs. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's, I feel like that's right. Marianne's jam. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Those were my choices. Yeah. Do you guys have any anything to add there? Just off the oh, top I, of your head? I think those were good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What um, was you made a face about the it was the one before Pat Benatar was, and Whitney Houston. Yeah, what was before Pat, Pat Benatar? Eurythmics and Bangles? Yeah. That just, I, I just feel like they'd probably both like both of those bands. Mm. And mm-hmm. also like I'm I'm hard pressed to I don't know. Like they're different. They're obviously very different mm-hmm. bands, but I don't know. Do people really like the Eurythmics? Yeah, <laughs> I I have a friend who really likes the Eurythmics. Okay, yikes for Sorry, us, me. Fans. <laughs> yeah, people are gonna come for me. Yeah, okay. um, and then uh, oh yeah, so Harrison Ford makes an appearance, which I was mm-hmm. surprised because they kind of rarely call out movie star names. Mm-hmm in the book but i guess he's a big enough movie star where anna martin felt like he had lasting power which Mm -hmm. he does she's Um, not wrong she's not wrong so i was wondering what movie do you think was on tv that don was watching was it a star war (laughs) i mean it could have been star wars i definitely think that is a good choice i don't think they aired it on tv very often oh right well that's the other thing i was thinking about in 1990 i mean they probably don's dad probably has cable um, for sure i don't know if yeah. they reference and they reference indiana jones later is it yeah not was, in the same chapter mm, jeff is watching indiana jones mm-hmm. but he's watching that so, yeah. on a video i mean i did think it could be one of the first two indiana jones movies um mm-hmm. i also thought it could be just because anna martin um, likes all her 50s nostalgic media it could have been uh, american graffiti Mm. which Harrison mm-hmm. Ford was in but right. anyway 
Would that have been on TV? What channel would it have been on? I mean, that movie was made in the 70s. Yeah, it Uh, could have been just like the Sunday afternoon movie or whatever. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Which also made me think about just movies on TV because mm-hmm. I didn't, we I didn't grow up with cable, yeah, so it really was like the Sunday afternoon movie mm-hmm. uh, that was like what was on channel thirty one or forty, and that's what yeah. we just watched. Yeah, we we had HBO very early because The Sopranos was my mom's favorite show. Oh, yeah, is that when she would drink a diet Pepsi? <laughs> Never diet. Oh, just regular Pepsi. Regular Pepsi with a I'm lot curious. of ice and lots of ice, lots of ice. <laughs> I'm curious to um, know if she ever drank like the crystal Pepsi, the clear Pepsi. I doubt it. Ask her next time we talk to her. I'm I sure will. she'll comment on this yeah, episode. She'll <laughs> she'll comment on our Instagram 30 minutes after we post this, or I guess 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we're more than 30 minutes into this episode. <laughs> so, before we move on from Harrison Ford. But for anybody who is on Instagram and is not following Phoebe Robinson, comedian and Bon Vivant, she has a hilarious feature every Thursday that she calls Thirsty Thursdays, where she posts a hot person and does like a super cut of pictures of them being hot and then a long, hilarious paragraph about why they're hot. And she did Harrison Ford last week. And it was like one of the funniest things I've ever read in my life. And everyone should go look at it. She did Jeff Goldblum the week before. Well, Jeff Goldblum speaks for (laughs) itself. (laughs) You don't need a paragraph Um, for that. It's it's very, very funny. Like I like cry laugh at it every week. And then also it's just pictures of hot Perfect. So it's it's really Why are you just telling me about this now? I'm (laughs) sorry. Dope Queen Phoebes on Instagram. Just free plug. All right. All right. <laughs> then the last thing I was wondering if um, you guys want to play a candy store with me. I'm sorry. Ha- <laughs> what? Don't fight, you guys. Don't what fight. does that mean? What? <laughs> How do we play candy store? Well, you know, it's it's the game that Becca and Charlotte play. Oh, right. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So- let's play candy store. It's when um, they you take turns being the candy store owner and the customer. Okay. So I figured we could do it, just the three of us. So should I be the owner first and you guys can be the customers? Obviously. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, you can, like, uh, come through the door and the little bell rings. Okay. Dong. Oh, hello. How can I help you today? Hi. Um, I'm wondering if you have any gummies I might be able to procure. Oh, we have several gummies. Um, what kind of gummies are you looking for? A, a particular brand, a shape, a flavor? I generally eat them in bear form, but I'm open to other animals that you might have. Well, I'd like to direct you towards the Haribo line. Oh, tell me more. Well, you know, the Haribo comes in a variety pack of flavors. Mm. Some may think they're just colored red, green, yellow, but they actually have fruit flavors that are very distinguishable from each other. Wow. That sounds like exactly what I need. Ding, ding. Oh, oh, hello. Another customer. How may I help you? Hi. Um, I really am looking for some new candies. I really like the Willy Wonka brand of candies. Like I like Gobstoppers and I like um, also sweet tarts and I also like sour things. Do you have anything new that I could try? Have you had something called sour patch kids yes <laughs> okay not gonna make that uh, one easy <laughs> hmm, looking for something that's sour tangy fruity what about spine tingling sour strawberry buttons 
Those sound delicious. Wait, why don't those exist? <laughs> now I'm mad again. <laughs> I definitely would like to try those. Okay. Um, would you like the snack pack or the jumbo size? Jumbo size, obviously. obviously. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, here you go. Are you looking for anything else, perhaps? I don't know. How about you, ma'am? The, are you asking the store proprietor what she would like? <laughs> no, I was asking you the other customer. Oh, oh, you know what you guys should do now? You guys should pretend you've never met before and talk to each other. Oh, hey, those candies look cool. What are they? Oh, they're um, spine-tingling sour strawberry buttons. Oh, whoa, I've never had one of those before. Here, would you like to try one? I would love to. Why don't I just take a second one just in case? Maybe a third. <laughs> it's so nice to make new friends in the candy store. I guess so. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you, candy person. <laughs> and unseen. Why didn't we play this game? It's a really good game. Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe Keely and June can play it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what they come up with. Okay. Speaking of candy, what did Claudia eat in this one, Annie? Oh, she has Twinkies. Gummy bears and M&M's. And did a random little like dance. No, that was, I was, I was aiming a glare at Emily. Yeah, I was darting things at Emily. Yes, Uh, I'm aware. Yeah, just trying to fight, trying to fight. Yeah. Um, So we get a new Jesse descriptor this time in terms of tallies. I don't know if it will keep showing up, but I noted it because I liked it a lot. It was Jesse can handle almost any situation. Um, um, I also Jesse. saw another Jesse descriptor. When black? No, she said a neat black girl. Oh yeah, yeah she didn't say a neat black girl. <laughs> She's a neat black girl. Yeah, there were a few social justice things that I didn't before I get to the tally tallies. Um, she uses the term Eskimo, which I understand we're not supposed to use anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also calls claudia dramatic looking but does not mention her clothes at all i know Um, i noticed that so which is you know kind of a bummer um so that's there otherwise pretty light on tallies for mary ann book one almond shaped eyes one individual and one health food so we haven't looked at the total tallies in a little while i wanted to see what you guys if you had a sense if you had a guess of kind of what the top three are so far no no ideas at all? I There's a blank space in my brain where that information should be stored. <laughs> okay. And what do you think is one of the top ones? I wouldn't believe. We have a clear winner. There's one that is like almost twice as many as everything else. Well, it's a Marianne book, so it can't be shy. No, no, no. Not in this book. Across all the books we've read so far. People are listening to the podcast yelling, bossy, bossy, bossy at their podcatcher. Is it bossy? <laughs> it's bossy. Oh. Oh. Bossy's got 50, 50 mentions Jeez. across the 34 books and three things so far. Most of them, you know, 20 of those mentions are from Jesse Ramsey pet sitter when they get mad and have that like fake election. Right, oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. I just feel like uh, that then, one hasn't occurred in a minute. So yeah. it was not. Yeah. It hasn't mind. been in the last few. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then any guesses of what the next couple? Sophisticated? Yep, sophisticated has 32. Mm. Individual? No, individual. That didn't happen until later. Yeah, 
So the next most common is, um, or, or, and between those two, actually, shy has 35. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got a lot of things in the 20s. Babyish is still 20. Sensitive, um, individual, and health food. Um, and then Mallory being practical is tied with Claudia having almond-shaped eyes with 11. And then things that are mentioned, exotics definitely dying out. We haven't seen exotics since Christy and the Mother's Day Surprise. That only has eight mentions. Mm-hmm. Jesse telling jokes only has three mentions. We haven't seen that since, you know, way back. Mm-hmm. And then Mallory being practical. They basically just don't describe Jesse and Mallory other than that they're Well, alive. I was just going to ask whether or not the new Jesse descriptor is just a synonym for level-headed or practical. Yeah, that's what it sounded like Right. To me. It was like another way of saying the thing mm-hmm. about Mallory, but it was about Jesse. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where we are fewer descriptions this time what about weirdest lines i felt like last week we had almost none and this week there were a lot okay mm-hmm. my favorite one is also from the pool chapter um <laughs> on page 56 archie says the sentence we don't have hilda and then marianne has to explain hilda was a lime green float with a head like the loch ness monster okay here's my <laughs> question did the radowski boys name this float I have a hard time believing that they would name a float Hilda. That seemed well, <laughs> a bit strange to me. <laughs> I think that's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Okay. Mine, mine's very similar. Okay. But different. Mine is, we forgot Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the hamster. Yeah, the hamster. <laughs> okay. I, I couldn't choose. I had four, but my favorite one, I think, is at the very end when they're packing up the house and um, Stacy's looking around for things that need to be packed in the kitchen. And she says, yuck, and a few dead ants. And Mr. Pike says, you don't have to pack those, which I feel like is a very good dry dad joke. That's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then I also really like uh, the insult when they're driving to sea city um batman has a bird brain i feel like it's quite good about nikki's shirt and then also i just continue to be fascinated with crabs for grabs like i just yeah um, i don't know what kind of restaurant that is i don't know if it's what do you mean what kind of restaurant it is i mean <laughs> okay obviously what? it's a crab restaurant but like what are is are they li- literally for grabs do, is there just like a bunch of crab in the middle of the table and you eat as much as you, you know, it's like a pay one price buffet kind mm-hmm. of situation. Is it more of just like a jokey name, but um, you know, do they have merch? Like yeah. I really want to like know what happens at crabs for crabs. I think it's a jokey That's name all. and they, they sell burritos. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even sell crabs. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. All right. What, what line do you guys want? I, I'm, I'm, I don't care. I like where's Hilda. I like crabs for grabs. And I like we forgot Frodo. So I like all of them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like crabs for grabs is like on brand for Sea City, right? And the last time mm-hmm. we did Gerber Garden. So it would mm-hmm. be in keeping yeah, with our theme of naming Sea City yeah. episodes so far. Okay. I like this logic. Great. So let's okay. do Great. crabs for grabs. Huh. Okay. And our, and our pizza toast. More boys. <laughs> no? Okay. Well. Do you have no thoughts as me? Yeah. My brain just literally ground to a halt. I like, <laughs> I like 
just stopped. The wheels stopped turning to, 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 to child labor laws so that Chris wouldn't be working at the ice cream palace. Yeah, I think more boys is fine. Did you have anything, Anne? Yeah, more boys sounds good. Okay. Wow, I just had to like wait that long. I feel like <laughs> I feel like our pizza toasts are always very like. I don't know, guys. What do you want to do? I don't know. <laughs> what do you guys want to do? Well, I cut most of that out. So <laughs> okay, Anne doesn't know because so, she doesn't uh, listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Anne doesn't listen to the podcast. I know it doesn't sound like that. This is very, that. and it's. I would like to say it's not just the podcast I do this to. It's like with anything I do. Like I don't. <laughs> I don't ever read articles that I've written that eventually get published. I don't look at like work I've done after it's out in the world. I just, after it's done, I just, it's out of my, it's gone. Goodbye. I don't want, yeah, goodbye. Perfect. Pizza toast to even more boys. To even even more more boys. boys. This episode of Stuck at Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org shop slash stuckinstonybrook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for.